Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pennsylvania elected one guy that is damn near nonverbal and another one who is literally dead. New Yorkers woke up Tuesday and chose violence and young people plan to treat themselves with your hard earned money. It's been a loser week for the record books and the show starts now. So what can I say about this week? I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't a total loss either. Nancy will keep her broom, but as for her gavel, not so much. We picked up some important seats in the Senate, and in Florida, DeSantis and Republicans cleaned house. All that being said, we still have Ice Cream Joe in the White House, and unless he dies first, he will likely run again in 2024, so Lord help us. You wouldn't think voters would be dumb enough to put that back in the White House, but then again, the idiocy of some voters never ceases to amaze me, which brings me to my first loser of the week, Pennsylvania. Yes, the entire damn state. Not only did they put this in the Senate. Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Yeah, they also elected, no joke here, an actual dead person, I kid you not. Yes, despite his current condition of being dead, Democrat Anthony Tona DeLuca was elected in a landslide to the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. He died a month ago. Details, details. Shoot, we know dead people are known to vote Democrat, but now they're being elected too? Oh, goodness. Which brings me to loser two, another entire state, New York. This week, New York, a state that has seen crime, violent crime, and lawlessness skyrocket thanks to its felon-coddling policies and politicians, had the opportunity to choose safety, law, order, and Republican Lee Zeldin, but no. Instead, New Yorkers chose this windbag who thinks all this fear and anxiety in the streets is just one big overreaction. He has been hyperventilating, trying to scare people for months, and New Yorkers are onto it. All the legitimate media organizations have called him out for what he is doing, fear-mongering. Yeah, just take a chill pill and jump off the subway platforms yourselves and stop being so uptight, you scared little New Yorkers. I will say I do give the state of New York a little credit for making it such a tight race, but at the end of the day, y'all still chose wrong, and you'll get what you voted for, so stay vigilant. You'll need to. Folks, whether it's crime, the economy, our southern border, or anything else they've fudged up, Democrats will not change course. They're dedicated to their craptastic policies, and there's no error they're willing to correct. Not even their $30 billion per year student loan forgiveness plan that will cost taxpayers an estimated $400 billion. It's all for the kids, though. They need it. They need that extra cash for important purposes. Recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. Boy, I feel so honored to be paying off the student loans of these brats so they can free up some of their unearned spending cash for the essentials, you know, vacays and Chick-fil-A. What a freaking joke. 
and I fear for the next two years more to come. But still ahead of all the threats, real threats we have to national security, Joe Biden thinks Elon Musk is worth taking a look at. More next. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Two-thirds of Americans don't want Joe to run again, and every time he's given a microphone, we see and hear why. I think that Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries uh, is worthy of being looked at. Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's worth worth being looked at. Um, And and, uh, that's all I'll say. Oh, joining me now to help decode Joe midterms and more is senior digital strategist Greg Price. All right, Greg, we laugh at that uh, because it's funny. I mean, honestly, if I wasn't looking, I would have thought that was John Fetterman speaking because you can't really tell the two apart if you don't visually see them. But what do you think about that? The left is so upset about Elon, Elon Musk and Twitter, they actually consider him to be a very real threat. Now, never mind the actual threats, the terrorists we've let come across our border. Elon Musk, worth taking a look at. I got to say, Tommy, I thought you guys were having technical difficulties <laughs> that, that your thing had frozen. Um, no, what, what's crazy about it is these are the part that uh, you didn't play was the reporter asking him the question where she literally asks Joe Biden if Elon Musk is a national security threat. And first of all, her preference for this was the Saudis and Twitter. The Saudis have been involved in Twitter before Elon Musk took it over. And second of all, reporters are asking Joe Biden about this and not asking him about TikTok. Like the White House just hosted all these TikTok influencers at the White House. We had that report in Forbes the other day that ByteDance, their Chinese-owned parent company, is tracking the you know the the data of Americans and tracking their location in many cases. But you have reporters asking Joe Biden if Elon Musk is a national security threat and not what they're going to do about TikTok. It's crazy. Yeah, well, we know that they love TikTok because all of their little vote pushers are, of course, TikTok influencers. Before we get into the midterm stuff, I just want to ask you, because you are very active on Twitter, and I follow you and I love your content, what do you think about this new verified $8 a month thing? Because I can tell you this, in my verifieds, when I see these randoms with the blue check marks now, I'm annoyed and I don't even want to be on Twitter. I think that's where he really messed up. What's your take? I mean, yeah, I I was like, you know, every time Twitter like has made a change in the past, like it always I'm always annoyed by it. And then I eventually get used to it. So I feel like that's the same thing here. It's like kind of annoying at first, but I'll eventually like get used to it and stop thinking about it. That's usually like what always happens when Twitter makes these changes. Well, I'll tell you this. uh, My ass is not paying eight dollars a month to be verified (laughs) on Twitter. So if that comes around, I guess see ya. Elon, I hope that you have a better strategy than that. But let's get into the midterms. Uh, I have to talk about Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> RIP. I mean, it's been a, it's been a rough 
couple of weeks for Pennsylvania. Uh, starting off the top with John Fetterman, were you surprised by that result? Yes and no. Like, yes, in the sense that a man who did not speak in a coherent sentence at any point during the general election was elected. But no, in the sense that, you know, Pennsylvania Republicans, I think, did not run very good candidates. Dr. Oz seems like a nice guy, but at the end of the day, he was just not a very strong candidate. But at the same time, he came very close to winning. Like, you know, he, you know, this guy who essentially moved to Pennsylvania to run for Senate, you know, was kind of seen as out of touch. I think painting him as a carpetbagger from New, from New Jersey was was very effective. But the thing that I think drove him down the most was, first of all, Democrats have built just an impenetrable uh, election infrastructure in places like Philadelphia that makes it an uphill battle for Republicans running statewide in Pennsylvania. So that's just getting that out of the way, all the election issues that they had there. But I think the biggest thing that dragged him down was the fact that Doug Mastriano ran what was probably the most incompetent campaign any human being has ever run. You know, Doug seems like a good guy. I kind of, I was, I really liked his style, but he raised no money and he, you know, was not campaigning in places that he had to campaign in to win. And he ended up losing by 14 points. And the reason that matters in the Senate race is because coattails matter. When the top of the ticket does poorly, it drags everybody down with them. And I think that's the biggest reason Oz lost. You know, Doug lost to Shapiro by 14 points. Imagine you had a, a Republican nominee in there who, who won, you know, by just half of that. We would probably have, be have sent, we probably have Senator-elect Dr. Oz today. And you can contrast that to what happened in New York with Lee Zeldin. You know, Lee Zeldin won what, what is, he, he, he basically ran, um, he did better than any New York than any New York Republican in a general election for governor that's ever going to happen again. Right. And, and he may have lost, but what happened was Republicans flipped all of these House seats down ballot in New York. And the reason they did that is was mainly because of how strong of a campaign Zeldin was running. So I think that's really what hurt us really bad in Pennsylvania was Doug running so poorly. It just dragged Oz down with them. Yeah. And again, you mentioned Oz not being a great candidate. He wasn't a great candidate. I, I was really disappointed at the choices that were left there. But also, you know, I just did this in my open, but uh, your wonderful state also managed to elect somebody who is actually dead uh, in a landslide, victory, <laughs> a landslide victory. So for those that don't live in Pennsylvania that are wondering how the heck could people elect Fetterman? Well, they elected someone who's not even breathing. So, you know, I, I wish took, you the they, best in that state. They took, they took vote blue no matter who to a whole new level this, this election cycle. Yes, they definitely did. Okay, I want to get into some other midterms conversations. You know, we're still waiting for results. Georgia's going to go into a runoff. It feels like 2020 all over again. But I don't think we can get too discouraged. We did pick up some victories that are going to be important. I want to look forward now, though, because next week we're expecting Donald Trump to announce he's running for president in 2024. And I have mixed feelings about it. I want to know personally what you think of it and what you think that's going to do to our party. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand why people like you who, you know, you were a huge Trump supporter before. I understand a lot of people like you now have, have very mixed feelings about announcing it so soon, you know, after this midterm election turned out, you know, very disappointing. So I can understand why a lot of people think that. At the same time, I think there is blame to go all all around for what just happened. I think there is, you know, definitely there's certainly criticism to be had of Trump because he did not spend he spent not as much money helping the candidates he endorsed as you would like to. 
you know, but there, there's a lot of criticism that go around to Republicans in D.C., like people like Mitch McConnell, who are spending more money in the Alaska Senate race to help Murkowski win instead of helping like Masters. You can talk about, you know, Tom, Tom Emmer, in a, who was the chair of the NRCC, who now wants a promotion to whip. There's there's a ton of blame to go around and looking forward to 2024. You know, I think no, no matter who is running as a Republican, I think what we need to do going forward, I think the, the biggest mistake that we made and something that we need to correct, no matter who the 2024 nominee is, is we have to give people a reason to be excited to vote. I think that's where Republicans failed the most. Like we talked about, you know, obviously, you know, you had you had a perfect political climate where you had a historically unpopular president doing and an economy where inflation and gas prices were really bad. And, you know, and the crime and the border. We talked about those issues, but we didn't really present a vision of for America that that could drive people to the polls. And that's really, I think, if you look at Republican waves of the past, the Tea Party in 2010 got people excited. Donald Trump in 2016 with MAGA got people excited. And we really didn't do that in 2022. Like the issues matter, but you have to play to the emotions of voters as well. And, you know, the, the person but the people who did that was Ron DeSantis in Florida. Ron DeSantis, you know, talked about the issues, but he also, you know, gave people this vision of free Florida fighting back against the world. You know, he was a, he was a being a culture warrior fighting back against the woke. That is something that got people excited. And what happened? He won in a huge landslide. He flipped Miami. He won Miami Dade by double digits after losing it by 20 in, uh, you know, in, in 2018. And that's the model for the future is doing is being that the America first pro family culture warriors. And so in terms of 2024, you know, obviously we're going to see what happened. We're going to see that's coming up. That's going to be coming up before you know it. It's I think it's that message that that is going to resonate with people the most and get people excited to vote no matter who is running. That's what they need to do, in my opinion. I agree with you on that. I also think that our messaging on abortion was horrible. I don't think we explained to people what the Dobbs decision actually was. So again, Republicans, and I'm going to talk about this later in my solo segment, but Republicans, we always want to say facts don't care about your feelings, facts over feelings. Yeah, but guess what? A lot of voters vote with their feelings. And if we don't tap more into those feelings, we're going to continue to lose. So we have to do something in that realm. Uh, Carrie Lake did a great job in Arizona, Ron DeSantis in Florida. We know Donald Trump is the king of doing that, but you're right. Getting people excited, not just saying, yeah, everything is pretty crappy right now. Hopefully we can make it marginally better. That wasn't a winning message. So you're right about that. Um, I wonder though, my last question for you, if Trump announces next week, what does that do to the race in Georgia, the runoff election? Do you think it helps Herschel Walker or it hurts him? Um, it's tough to say how a Trump announcement would, would affect this runoff race. I think, I think, I think it could help and hurt him because Donald Trump is still somebody that gets Republican voters very excited. You know, he is still, the Republican base is still with Donald Trump in every single polling of a potential GOP primary at this point, Trump is still winning. You know, so Trump is somebody who gets Republicans excited about voting. On the flip side of that, he probably gets Democrat (laughs) voters to the polls even more. You know, you know, he's you know, he's he fires them up as well. So, you know, the the stakes are a little bit different than the what the Georgia runoff was in 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 2021, because, you know, we'll have to see what happens in Nevada and Arizona first before we see if like control of the Senate is on the line or not. So what I think a Trump announcement would do is fire up both sides to vote in, in completely different ways. And I think the question is who becomes fired up more and who's running 
you know, the more competent campaigns out of the two sides in Georgia. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But the thing about it is, is Democrats are united in their hate against Donald Trump, but Republicans are not united in their love for Donald Trump. So that's where we're going to run into an issue, I think. So that's a little worrisome for me. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. There's never going to be a dull moment, though. Uh, good luck in Pennsylvania. And uh, we look forward to all of your tweets calling out the left and giving us some good humor on the side. So uh, God bless you and good luck with your new dead House representative. <laughs> Best of luck to you. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Great to be on as always. Awesome. All right. Well, next, why is it that Florida with nearly 22 million people can count their votes on election night in Arizona with less, with less than half of that can't do the same? Arizona GOP Chairwoman Kelly Ward joins me next. Oh, Arizona, what can we say about Arizona? On the plus side, the Grand Canyon state has helped give us more representatives in the U.S. House. But the fact that Maricopa and other counties in the state are taking so long to count and are having so many issues along the way is a real problem. Joining me now with her take on it all is Arizona GOP Chairwoman Kelly Ward. Oh, Kelly, it's so great to talk to you. And let me first say that you have done an incredible job unifying Arizona. I mean, it is such a difference from even when you were running several years back, what you've been able to do. So first of all, congratulations on all of that. Oh, thank you, Tommy. And congratulations on this new show. This is uh, amazing. I love that your voice and your platform is going to be out there. Um, it is a voice that's very important. And, uh, I, and I'm proud of you for what you're doing as well. Well, thank you. Now we've got to get into some some tricky stuff right now. So Arizona, I mean, I have to tell you, of all the races around the country, I was most locked into Arizona from the start because I really like Carrie Lake, and I really do think it's such an opportunity to send such a message in Arizona. But then it feels like a bad nightmare. We've still into day three of counting. you got to tell me, what is going on in Arizona when Florida can get all of their election results in on election night with a population of 22 million, and then Arizona, day three, what the heck is going on? Right. It does feel like Groundhog Day all the way back to 2020 when Maricopa County, the, the most populous county, the most people are there. Yes. So they should be more than competent at counting votes. But unfortunately, they are still incompetent, even after the primary where we did uh, have to sue to make them be better. They still are not delivering. And it is a shame. It, it decreases confidence across the board. And it's not people questioning what's going on. Every minute, every hour that Stephen Richer, the recorder and the board of supervisors and the elections department in this big, gigantic county delay reporting the results makes people doubt that these elections have integrity. We've been trying to restore it. Unfortunately, our legislator, legislature let us down in the, the legislative session, but we can't wait till these people, Carrie Lake, number one, Carizona, this is Carizona, and a very conservative legislature. We're going to set it right before 2020, but we got to get through 2022 first. Yeah, again, it, that is just the problem that people feel like they're in a bad nightmare, and it feels like the same thing in 2020. And a lot of times for people, perception is reality. But I'm really hopeful that we're still going to get the results that we want out of Arizona. I think it's such a state, it's such a message to be sent there. But tell me about how the campaigns in Arizona went, because they were a little different than the rest of the nation. It was a very unified ticket, and you don't see that everywhere. 
Exactly right. I, I call Arizona the America First flagship. The, the people that we have at the top of the ticket and all the way down, but in particular, the four at the top with Blake Masters for Senate, Carrie Lake for, for governor, uh, Abe Hamaday, the youngest person running statewide anywhere, who's going to be a fierce and fearless attorney general, Mark Fincham for secretary of state, helping with election integrity across the board. They came together very, very early with solutions that were common to all of them and a piece that each one of them can play in restoring a sanity to the process across the board here in Arizona. And I think that Arizona will be a model for other states across the nation where you have these candidates coming together very early talking about how they're going to work together for all of the people, not just the people in their political party, but all of the people in our state and in our nation. What I can't figure out about Arizona is that it's not reliably red because you have so many people that left California to go to Arizona because they were sick and tired of California. A lot of money in Arizona. And then you've got a southern border that people really cannot avoid what's going on with that wide open southern border. So it's weird to me, actually, that it is such a struggle to make Arizona red. Why do you think that is? Where is the disconnect lying in that state? Right. Well, when you look at the entire nation and you look at the map of what just happened right now in the 2022 midterms, Republicans outperformed across the nation as a whole by over six million votes. I haven't heard the Democrats talking about the popular vote very much right now, right. Um, but we are. this is a red country and this is a red state. But unfortunately, just like the whole country, tiny little pieces of blue are ruling over us. And so there's got to be some change. There's got to be something that is done. One of the things that I would love to see is Maricopa County broken up into multiple counties, having a county with 4 million plus people with so much power over the other 14 counties. Yes, we only have 15 counties in Arizona. Uh, the 13 counties are very reliably red. There is also Pima County where Tucson is that causes us a blue problem. So we're always working hard to make sure that we don't California our Arizona because we want to have a place for those Californians to flee where they can come to America and they can be free. Yeah, no, absolutely. There is something else, though, that I find interesting about Arizona when you compare it to a place like Florida. So in Florida, we're seeing a large number of Hispanics flipping to Republican. It was sizable, sizable, especially this midterm election season. Hispanics really went red. But you don't see that same phenomenon in Arizona. Why do you think that is? Well, we'll see what comes out at when the votes are finally tallied. President Trump got 34% of the Hispanic vote here in our state in 2020. I think that we've expanded that for 2022. We'll see whenever those final numbers come. But the demographics are different across the board. And even Jen Psaki, I mean, she let some, some of their, uh, their plans out of the bag. She said, in, in Florida, it's an older demographic. They are, are Republican solid, solidly. And socialism just doesn't fly with that demographic. <laughs> Unfortunately, socialism must fly with these younger people. And so we've got to remind them that socialism hasn't worked anywhere in the world and it's not going to work in America. And we're going to do everything we can to stop it. 
I think it also has a lot to do because my husband is born and raised in Miami. His entire family is in Miami, and he's Cuban. So I think that there are a lot of people from Cuba, from Venezuela, from the DR yes. in Florida that they either fled or their families fled from socialism, communism. So they know the warning signs. They teach their kids the warning signs. I don't know if it's the same dynamic in Arizona. It's a little bit different when it comes to the Latinos and the Hispanics in Arizona. But I know that you're doing a fantastic job. My last question for you is... If everything goes the way that we want it to go in Arizona, what is going to be priority one for your state moving into the next couple of years? Well, there are actually two priorities that future Governor Carrie Lake and our entire ticket have talked about. Before this election, it was border security day one, right after their hands come off the Bible. They're going to declare an invasion here into our state and not talking about immigration, but talking about security. They are going to put measures in place to stop that. Now, since the election, election integrity has again risen to the top, and I'm hoping for a special session in January to just address the election problems so that we can go more the route of Florida where there is ID and there isn't just un, uh, unmonitored mail-in voting and all of the things that are causing problems here on the ground that we aren't seeing in Florida. And I think that we can get a lot of that in place very, very quickly uh, at the first of the year. I really, really hope so. That would be music to my ears. You know, I've been to Arizona several times with Border Patrol, and I'll tell you the last time that I went, I went to the Tucson area. I was in Phoenix as well. But I noticed that there were several areas, this was in the Biden administration, that pieces of Trump's wall were just sitting there rusting. Equipment was just sitting there rusting. Equipment and infrastructure that has already been paid for, by the way, sitting there and rusting away. So I really hope that that can be put to good use. We've already paid for it. Let's get up that border wall once and for all and let's secure Arizona and then with it, the rest of our country. So I'm Really proud of what you've been able to do, and we're all crossing our fingers, hoping for good things out of that state. Thanks, Tommy. It's it's great. We are the tip of the spear. We're going to put Arizona first, and then we're going to save America in general. So I look forward to it. Everybody keep your eyes on Arizona. Nothing's been decided yet. We'll find out. Oh, my eyes have been glued to Arizona results. I can promise you that one. Thank you so much for being with us, and best of luck to you. All right. Bye-bye, Tommy. Thank you, guys. All right. Next, though inflation in the economy led the priority list for voters nationwide, abortion was the top issue in both Pennsylvania and Michigan. Republicans need to work on their messaging on this issue, and that is undeniable. My final thoughts are next. It's true, the dumpster fire economy and record high inflation top nationwide exit polling as the top issues, but... Close behind was an issue the Republicans, quite frankly, suck at addressing, the A-word, abortion. It's time for Final Thoughts. So from the moment it leaked, the Supreme Court was rumored to overturn Roe v. Wade. I knew this could be the issue that screwed Republicans and ding, 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 I wasn't wrong. Exit polling showed about 6 out of 10 voters said they were dissatisfied or angry about the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, and about the same percentage said abortion should be legal. Nationally, over 30% of voters named inflation as the top issue, but here's the kicker. In Michigan and Pennsylvania, it was abortion that was issue numero uno. And guess what, Republicans? Whether you're pro-life, pro-choice, or somewhere in the middle, the fact of the matter is we as a party absolutely suck at messaging on this issue. 
And here's a reminder for those who forgot. I lean to the pro-choice side of things, but I do agree with the Supreme Court's decision to kick the question back down to the states where it belongs. See, I understand that that is what the Dobbs decision did, but guess what? A lot of Americans don't get it. They've bought into the very effective and very false fear propaganda the left has been peddling that abortion was made illegal or that women who have a miscarriage or choose their own life before their unborn child will somehow be prosecuted and thrown in jail. That's a crock of crap. It's not what the Dobbs decision did or said, but some people are kind of stupid. Voters are uneducated. They listen to pop and TikTok stars and don't bother to even do basic baseline research, not even a freaking Google search or ask Siri. That's unfortunate, but newsflash, it's not changing because voters, especially the young ones, are getting dumber. So it's up to Republicans to take back the narrative and get our messaging through loud and clear. It is not helpful for Republicans to spout off about banning abortion. It's not. And if we want to win a presidential election for the rest of eternity, we better stop making that our battle cry. And if you think any differently, you're lying to yourself, however self-righteous it may sound in your own head. So instead, we need to emphasize states' rights. If we communicated that better, we wouldn't have lost so badly on that issue. And it's not just abortion. We have this horrible habit of letting the left shape the narrative, every narrative, and we are always on the defense. It's about time we go on offense. We tell them what we stand for, not back ourselves into a little corner and try to explain away the false labels they've put on our whole frickin' party. We keep handing them elections largely for that reason. We might like facts over feelings, but if we want to win, we're going to have to win over some feelings too. There is no reason beyond our own ineptitude as messengers that we could have delivered a real red wave instead of the pink splish splash we came out with. We don't need to play like the left, but we do need to take at least a half a page out of their book so we can either be self-righteous or we can win. The choice is ours because I, for one, am sick of losing things we could have and should have easily won. But those are just my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.